welcome to the evolution exchange nhs podcast here at evolution recruitment nhs we are committed to helping people and nhs organizations realize their potential our goal is to help build trust and develop deep relationships with individuals to make doing business easier we collaborate with nhs organizations to help them build high performing digital teams we achieve this by creating and sharing into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industries best practices. I'm Katia and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect official position or policy of their organisation. So, welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast, everyone. And we are here today to discuss female leadership within the NHS. So, before we get into the topic, let's go around the room and have some introductions. So, Louise, would you like to start, please? Hello, everybody. My name's Louise Brown. I'm Digital Transformation Manager at Sandwell and West Birmingham NHS Trust. Thanks, Louise. And Amy? Hi, everybody. I'm Amy Freeman, Director of Digital and Digital Transformation at University Hospitals North Midlands, member of the Board of Directors. Thanks, Amy. Bernie? Hi, everyone. I'm Bernadette Clark. Everyone calls me Bernie. Um, I'm the Managing Director of Evolution's NHS business. Thanks, Bernie. And Joanne? Yeah, hi. I'm Jo Veal. I'm Deputy Chief Strategy Officer at Black Country Healthcare Trust. Amazing. Thanks, everyone. Okay, so let's get into this. Um, as usual, I'm going to go around the room and ask each person to ask their question with a bit of context around why you've decided to ask it. Um, and I am going to start with you, Louise, if that's okay. <laughs> Sure. I was just trying to remember my question. Let's go. <laughs> do you want me to? Do you want me to? I'm glad I answered that, Louise. <laughs> no, everyone else is done. No, it's fine, Katja. Thank you. Um, so my question is what one or two things you wish to instill in your sort of your team, your team members, particularly as you're growing a team or when people start. Um, the reason for asking it is um, particularly, so I come from a nursing background and we tend to climb the ranks because we know our specialty and we're not necessarily taught to be good leaders or even good managers. We're often taught to manage by policy. Um, so you you definitely get a variety of good and bad managers and leaders um, in the organisation. So I was just interested to hear what what things you try to, what behaviours I suppose you're looking for, or attitudes you'd be looking for in your teams? I'm happy to go yeah, first. Yeah, I was going to say, I've got okay. a great leader in the room who who leads me, so fairly to you. <laughs> so I think when you're in, obviously I'm not in the NHS, I deliver to the NHS. And I think that when you're in a certain sector for a long period of time and you as you mentioned you've grown up as a clinician and then maybe moved away from being a clinician but you still work in the NHS organization you can think that everyone else does it better and that it's my organization or you know internally that things aren't as good as they potentially could be but I talk to teachers that say the same thing they grow up as a teacher then they become you know move out of the classroom and have to manage it's the same for every single profession you start off being really, really good at your thing. So I was a really good salesperson, really good recruiter. Then I became um, a team leader, moved away and then had to like suddenly do strategy, people management, leadership. And it's like, I did that really, really, really badly. If Katia was on my team <laughs> maybe 10 years ago, I'm not even sure she would be saying I was a good leader. I really, I don't think I was. Um, and, but I think 
I reflected really, really quickly on how I could make that thing better. And that's one of the things that you need to be able to do, like reflect, realize your own like limitations and then work on the things that you're bad at and make them good. Um, we're really lucky in that I have, and uh, someone that coaches Katia, um, is my boss, a chap called Matt Fleet-Jones, and he's probably been in exactly the same boat. He was a really bad leader a good few years ago. And he's looked at lots of different frameworks, read loads of different things. And we've brought um, the seven habits of highly effective people into our workforce. And it's, uh, Amy's nodding. Um, it's something that um, is a framework that you can live by at both professionally and outside of work, actually. And it's, we've then studied the seven habits of highly effective people. We've moved on to six critical practices, and then we're doing the four elements of effective leadership as well. So right through to advanced. And at any level, people can start picking this up. So it's now a common language that we use in our organization. It teaches respect. It teaches people to collaborate, to be innovative, ambitious, all these sort of different traits that I get young people that come onto our team and you're almost like raising them as, as people, as well as teaching them the technical aspects of the job. Amy's raising her hand and Joe's nodding. So I'll leave it there for a moment. Amy, would you like to? Yeah, uh, uh, Bernie, you mentioned seven habits there and I was going to mention um, my particular favourite, which is first seek to understand. And I think it's very easy, particularly as a new manager, to hear some information, react to that information, go down a path with that information and then realise you perhaps only heard half the information. <laughs> and if you'd have understood a bit better and if you'd have done a bit more research, you perhaps would have either reacted differently or, or taken a different tack. So I particularly like first seek to understand, which is from uh, from Seven Habits. And then for me, it, it's how we give people permission to give us the feedback um, and how you are then receptive to receive that. Potentially, if you're in one of your kind of, oh my gosh, I just need to get something done at States. And I started doing this about four or five years ago where, where I talked to my teams about showing me a mirror and when I moved to this trust, which was 18 months ago, done the same with my new team to go, you know, I need you to show me a mirror. So if I'm doing something that is not helping you, it's getting in the way, it's been a blocker, it's rude, it's unprofessional, whatever it is. If you say to me, Amy, I need to show you a mirror. I know I need to sit on my hands and I know I need to listen and be in listening mode to receive that feedback. And what I choose to do with that feedback is my choice, right? I can choose to ignore you if I want, but at least I'm in a position that somebody's told me the magic words that, you know, to, to listen, be receptive and, and then make your choices of what to do. So that would be mine. First seek to understand and then give people a vehicle to be able to give you feedback would be my two. Amazing. Thank you. Joanne, do you want to add something? I saw that you were, yeah, I suppose initially kind of, uh, it's, it's quite, it's quite good listening to kind of those, um, both Bernie and, and Amy really, because I think the two things I wrote down were, um, understanding, which I think, um, you know, comes straight away. And also, um, and, and absolutely, you know, I, I'm new into to my position. I've, I've only been in my position really kind of seven seven months. And there's been a, you know, we've, we've took on a lead provider role um, as the mental health trust in, in across the black country for um, for the commissioning of mental health, for all mental health and all um, learning disability and autism services across the black country. Um, and so there's been lots of understanding 
um, lots of new people coming in. It's been new for lots of people in terms of how we're working and, and what that looks like going forward. And absolutely the same as Amy, really, in terms of, you know, sometimes you give it half a story, you do go down that rabbit hole. And sometimes it's okay to go down that rabbit hole, you know, let's be honest, because actually that means that sometimes you do get the other side of it. And, you know, we all, we all kind of learn through those experiences, don't we? So absolutely that understanding and the other understanding from from my perspective is that if somebody reacts the way that they're reacting there's generally a reason behind it and that's not always about you so sometimes actually just having kind of reflection on that and sometimes you know it's more about something that may be going on with with that person and you know just maybe sometimes taking that step back and, and kind of understanding kind of from that perspective as well um, and the other thing I'd say particularly with kind of a new team like I've had you know lots of new positions um it's really instilling in that fact of looking after each other you know I, I came in and, and and as part of my role I look after the whole um kind of program of program management office um for the organization um and kind of worked very much in silos with divisions uh, as 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 managers um and kind of bringing them together and making sure that they look after each other as a complete team and what that looks like when everyone's kind of giving the same message, um, you know, and the same script and things like that. So, you know, but really instilling the fact of actually we are a team, we will look after each other, um, you know, and you're not working, you know, you're not working against each other and there's not that, you know, that kind of competition and really kind of instilling that understanding and, and looking after each other in, into the team. Those are the, the two things really that um, kind of hope to instill in them that you know they they understand you know they they seek that understanding and also that they look after each other um because as peers you know you, you it's nice to have people that you can rely on and talk to and, and have, kind of have that understanding in your own team yeah so so important and um, benny you've got your hand up i wanted to just come back to you yeah um just following on from joe's point so probably one of the the things that was taught to me really early on or the thing that i valued most was putting space between the situation and the response. So people have used the word reactive. I used to be really, really reactive. And the emotional side, rather than my rational side, would be reacting to that situation. So I wasn't helping the situation, I was making it worse often. And so it's another thing from um, uh, from from COVID, but that sometimes the space can be a minute, but sometimes the space might be a weekend. And whatever the scenario is it requires different space between the situation and the response but whatever space of time you put between the situation and response it's always better if there's space I just learned that really really early on and then the other thing that you're talking about there Joe is um getting you know team to look after each other um it sounds like a bit like cheesy what I'm going to say but definitely the the people on our team were really good friends as well as colleagues we all get on great and long may that continue but we've worked really really hard to develop that culture and it doesn't just happen like overnight you have to really work at it but one model that I used which has been really really helped us is called Tuckman's model and it's the forming storming norming performing model and when I first started using it I'd think okay I don't know how it's really working but then when you look at it and you realize that every time anyone leaves or joins your team it's actually a new team because it's new to them. So you can't just click your fingers and say to someone, join in this team and build trust instantly and build friendships or relationships e easily. They all take time and to work work at. 
So we do this session every time anyone leaves or joins, we look at ourselves as a new team and we get a, uh, we either go into a room and get sticky notes and write all over a board or we do it online. And we just write, everyone has a minute to write all the words down that they want their team to stand for and their, and how to they want to be with each other. So the right things like winning team, achieving, ambitious, and then they have to talk about what they mean by that. And we've, we've done it probably four or five times, Katia, would you say? Um, and everyone has to take part and, but it helps, it helps them to be part of that team without being sort of forced to be part of the team. Who is that? Go back to you, Joe. Yeah, we did um we did a, a session really just as a um a, a college directorate. Um and like I say, very, very new. Not all the parts of the directorate knew each other and like I say, you know, we we've been new as lead provider, lots of new people coming in from other organisations in the system, etc. Um, you know, and almost having to do, you know, the other side of the role, you know, f- for them. Um and we did an exercise where we, we got we we had our, our our we've got a really good OD person that's linked to us as a as a uh, area, and kind of got us to bring two things in a box, um, you know that were important to us, or you know kind of explained a bit about ourselves. So we went round the whole room. We all had to bring these two items in, and actually it was just a lovely experience actually just to sit there and and listen to what's important to people and um and what makes them ticked you know to a certain extent and, and whatever else them was you know people bought you know fitness things in because that was really important to them and and people bought things in that really identified um you know somebody bought in um an elephant because actually they collect elephants because they show a sign of strength etc and um you know they, they said a, a bit of their backstory um which kind of made everybody feel really grounded you know, and, and it was just a, it was just a really nice experience, isn't it? And that's it's just a really nice way of getting to know other people and getting to know your team. And actually, some of the things came out, you know, for people that were really really personal. Um, you know, and it, and it kind of just gave people that understanding that you know behind every you know behind the people that you see on Teams, behind the emails that you get, um, you know, where message sent isn't always message received. <laughs> You know, there's that person that's behind it. And, and it, it was a really lovely kind of experience to do. So, yeah, just something, you know, to kind of um, get that background on people. And like I say, it makes you look at people differently. And like I say, it makes you have that more understanding, doesn't it, when you're, you know, dealing with those people kind of on an everyday basis. I love that one. I think we might need to do that, Bernie. I thought that was a lovely human. one. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Well, we've had some... Follow that one up, Katia. <laughs> yeah, I'll be actioning that one in the next <laughs> meeting. Um, but no, thank you so much, everyone. Louise, how? what are you thinking? Is that, has that kind of answered your question? Yeah, no, it's, it's nice to sort of hear different um, techniques and approaches that people have and sort of bringing um, uh, research into it as well. Nice. Um, picking up on what Bernie was saying about space, um, I often have that conversation with my team about consequence, pause, pause and think about the consequence of what you're about to do. Is that really the intent you're after? Um, and just always maintain respect and kindness. Even if you have to say it to yourself 10 times, respect and kindness. And Maybe you're pause. giving yourself, yeah, you give yeah. yourself space while you're saying respect and kindness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And if you want to draft that email, draft it, but don't send it until you create that space. <laughs> and I've really even had staff come back to me and say, yeah, no, I've deleted that email. 
decided a different way of dealing with it. So, yeah, it's just, we can get frustrated with situations or um, people, but we have to remember um, perspectives and, and respect and kindness and you'll, you'll find a way through. Yeah, I think that was fantastic. We've, I think we've all learned a lot from that that one question, so thank you. Um, okay, brilliant. If there's nothing else anyone would like to add, I was going to move over to Amy's question now. Is that okay? Actually, what was my question? I can read it out for you. So it says here, what is the balance between assertiveness and bossiness as females who are assertive in the workplace are often perceived as bossy? So do you want to give us a bit of context? Um, yeah, I, I think that is just the way it, the way it is. Certainly as I've been, um, I've done 20 years in the NHS now and, and all of those have been in kind of managerial or leadership roles and, it, and often, particularly in the early days with very male-orientated teams, although that is starting to change a little bit or they're not as fast as I would like in some of those traditional roles um and yeah you you were you were branded as a, as just being bossy in a nag uh if you were trying to be assertive so that that's my reflection but I I wonder whether people feel that's still the case now and and or whether or not uh, the tides are finally turning okay Joanne can I come to you first yeah I, th- I suppose um you know, really look at in my organisation, you know, we've got a female, um, newly appointed CEO, um, got a number of women, um, you know, on the on the um, board of directors, et cetera, and uh, non-exec directors as well. Um, so I, I don't experience that um, in the organisation that I'm in. Have I experienced it in the past? Yes, but I think it, it can also be like in very... Um, I suppose, Amy, kind of what you're saying in those traditional kind of male, more man environments and, and my very first kind of um, working environment sort of straight from school, I went and did um, uh, a, a, an admin apprenticeship at Rover. So I spent 10, 11 years at the Longbridge site, um, you know, with 10,000 other people and predominantly a male-dominated in environment. Um, and I think, you know, there probably was, you know, actually when, um, when I look back, actually, and I look back now very much and go, actually, you know, there wasn't many senior females at all in that organization, you know, really. Um, and, you know, and, and if there was, when there were things, you know, that kind of came up, um, you know, about assertiveness and, and, and I don't think assertiveness actually was a word that was particularly used then. I probably was just bossy to a, to a, to a certain extent. So I don't experience it now um, and I haven't experienced it so much, um, you know, in, in being in the NHS really, I'll, I'll be honest, um, but have experienced it in other um, probably more male-dominated um, kind of environments in, in the past, you know, um, you know, but I, I do see that there is that kind of sea, sea of change. You know, it, it does feel that way. Um, but then I think probably what you're saying, Amy, is you're in, you know, from a digital transformation perspective, actually that has been male-dominated, hasn't it? You know, and um, and so your experience will probably be, be very different from mine. Perfect. Thank you. Louise, can we come to you? Yeah. Um, similar, I would say, as in my experience has been I've had bossy bosses, um, both men and women. 
and sometimes the men come across as being a bit bullish and sometimes the women do as well so there's that trip even beyond bussy bossiness isn't it um what have i done to try not to be bossy i, I think when i was growing up and a new new in role and stuff i probably was bossy um and could be abrupt and somebody uh, put a mirror up in front of me which was really helpful and i went yeah you're right um and also learned from some bad managers which is always that experience that we we take with us isn't it about how not to treat people um I tend, well, I hope I achieve assertiveness rather than bossiness around just having setting expectations um, and hoping people understand them. And rather than um, shouting out or having a go at people or anything when they're not met, it's understanding why, helping them try to achieve those. But sometimes you do have to show disappointment. I think that's actually much more powerful than... Um, demanding things as well um so for me it still comes back to that respect and kindness and it being both ways but actually having expectations that somebody still needs to perform in role uh, and what that looks like um, and i would hope to get the same from uh, my superiors who need to do that with me as well so quite happy for them to be assertive with what i need to do but don't trip into bullying please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you, Louise. Benny, can we come to you? Yeah, I think so. I I started in recruitment about probably just shy of twenty years ago, and it was all all the you know we called a top biller. All the top billers would all be guys, and they would all be a certain type of guy, like wearing Rolexes, driving Porsches. So this was just not me at all. I was just <laughs> I was so far away from that. And so I thought that to be good, I had to be like them. So I would think like I've got to be. I used to call it like sharp elbows and like sort of wanted to get my way to the top. And so I definitely like fell into like thought that I had to be like that. As soon as I sort of was given permission by, it wasn't a, a female leader, it was a, a male leader to kind of be more myself that and to be authentic. That's when I was able to be more successful and like just be happier. Like it was a stretch for me every day to be have these sharp elbows and be something that I wasn't as soon as I could relax and be myself that's when I saw real success and um, I had some really good female role models but when I moved to evolution I was the first woman on the board and so I took this like job really really seriously that I had to be this really good role model and we had a really um, uh, strong ratio of, of men to women there was like maybe five or six women in the business do you reckon we're now we're 50-50, Katia, would you say? Mm -hmm. So I've, I've kind of like tried to uh, get a really good network of other women. I've tried to sort of listen to lots of other women that I respect. And I run something called Her Plus Data. And I learned such a lot from that network. So I just put myself into places and positions where I could constantly learn more about the softer side of how to be a leader than necessarily technical aspects of my job. Because operationally I kind of was learning that so for me it's like it's getting yourself a really good network of other women that you're safe with and trust Joanne so sorry we as Louise had just finished speaking you put your hand up so go for it I can't remember now what I put my hand up <laughs> <laughs> I was really in tool by what uh, what Bernie was saying <laughs> I completely forgot what I was going completely forgot what I was going to say 
Other than that, was lovely birthday. That was <laughs> a lovely memory. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been very excited. Bags forget what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, that's okay then, Amy. We'll come back to you then. How do you feel that that was responded to? What What are your thoughts? I think uh, the authenticity comment is really key for me. I know it's not necessarily linked to the bossiness stuff, but I did a, a just over a year, maybe 18 months for the Department of Health, right, on a secondment opportunity for the Department of Health, working in Quarry House, and I thought I was big, posh, working in Quarry House with the department, you know, and um, it was exhausting, frankly. Every day I had to put on this, uh, I'm, I'm from Doncaster, right, I don't have a posh accent, I didn't go to university, and every day I would go to work trying to put on this posh voice to be with these posh people who were all Oxbridge, you know, got the right tie and all that jazz. And it was it was physically exhausting. And I think when I then went to look for my next opportunity, I, I remember saying to my husband, if I feel myself having to put my posh voice on, I know that I, it, it's not a good fit for me and I need to be somewhere where I don't have to do that. And And luckily, the subsequent roles I've had since then my interviews always pass that test and, and I've always tried to be me. And if I'm, if I'm not what they're looking for, then that's, it's good that we know that, you know, and, and try and keep authentic. I don't think that necessarily stops me being a bit bossy. Um, and, and I think if you've got agreed actions and you've got an agreed vision and people, you sell that vision and people are bought into it, hopefully the need to be very bossy will dissipate because actually we're all on the same bus trying to do the same stuff and working in the same direction but but every now and again when things are you know falling by the wayside or um things need poking a bit then then yeah i think that probably would be perceived as being a, a bit bossy you're driving people amy you're not bossing them <laughs> <laughs> get things done <laughs> it's a fine line isn't it i mean i think sometimes we just need that little little push to to get things done um joanne sorry you've got your hand up i'll come back to you I, I can remember now. Remembered. Um, I think the thing is, it's okay to be firm. I think that's the other thing. You know, it's okay to turn around and say, I need you to do this and this is the reason why. Or, you know, there might be a reason in a meeting, say, I need you to stop. Do you know what I mean? I think there is there is that, it, you know, kind of feeling of going, actually, it's okay. And, and again, it's, it's how you say it and how you put it across and, you know, um, you don't necessarily need to be bossy about it, but you are. You, you can be firm. You are. We are allowed to be firm in an in an in an approach. You know, um, and and I suppose that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, other people may perceive that as being bossy, but actually, sometimes there is an absolute need sometimes in certain situations where you need to be firm, and that might be being firm for you know stopping to other people. You know, having having arguments or, you know, getting into, um, you know, getting into things on a meeting and, and, you know, especially I think in the positions that we're in where you're chairing meetings, um, especially across systems where we do lots of system working now across lots of different environments in terms of, you know, acute settings and mental health settings and local authorities and, and education settings. And people are really, really passionate about what they do. Um, and sometimes therefore, you know, sometimes as a chair, you have to be quite firm, don't you, in terms of, um, you know, sometimes the conversations or, or arguments that may happen on, on meetings. And, you know, so I think sometimes it's just that permission as well that we are we are allowed, you know. Thanks, Joanne. Bernie? 
you've got your hand up? I think, I don't know. I think it was an old one. Oh. No comments <laughs> to add on that. Oh, no problem. No fun like teams. Um, okay, Amy, was there anything you wanted to add before we moved on to the next question? No, other than what Joe's just said reflected on what we talked about earlier, which is somebody else's perception is often about themselves and not about you. And, and if somebody perceives you as being bossy when actually you're just being clear with what's required, you know, maybe that's a throwback to a naggy mum or something that they've had in the past and, and maybe not worry about it quite so much. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone. Okay. That'll, that'll be me in an hour. And then say to him, why you're not ready for football? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, perfect. Right then. So, Bernie has got two questions to ask. Um, so, would you like to start with your first one, Bernie? I don't know which way around they are, so... Um, Go for either. Have you got them written down? Yeah. Um, so how do you manage the juggle between your personal life and that of the demands on your professional life? The age-old challenge of the version of the invisible workload of being a woman. Okay. Louise, would you like to kick us off? Um, sure. I've probably only managed to do this more recently. <laughs> it's taken a very long time to get there. Where I've where maybe I'm just exhausted that I've just stopped beating myself up and just go, it's okay. Don't have to do it all. Um, I don't have to do it all right now. Um, there is definitely a help though with work, working from home. Um, I think this new environment we find ourselves in has made a huge difference to a lot of us who can. I appreciate there's lots of people who don't have that dare I call it a luxury. Um, so I think that is definitely helpful to try and just break up the, the work we also have to do at home. Um, but I certainly think that we need to make sure we keep that invisible workload um, in, in a balance, in check, and make sure we have time for friends, family, activities and just go and do something else that is actually more uh, rewarding to our well-being um and just you know if the if ironing's piling up that's okay these are words of wisdom here that are giving me hope <laughs> the ironing is piling up just it's just that don't beat yourself up <laughs> great advice we'll we'll definitely take it on board as well thank you uh joanne can we come see you next um I think it's hard, you know, it's hard, isn't it? And they do cross over, you know, let's, you know, let's be honest, even in, you know, having that real flexibility of, of being able to, you know, to work at home, um, whether that be, you know, for people all the week or part of the week, et cetera. Um, it, you know, touching on that a little bit, actually, I went into the office, you know, when I do go into the office, actually, sometimes I really like that because when I leave the office, that's where I've shut off. You know, I don't know about everybody else, but when you used to go into the office every day on the way home or on the way into work is when I would ring my mom and ring my sister and, you know, catch up with people. And that bit I've kind of missed, really, from working from home because that kind of time where you did used to use to switch off, you know, I'm, I'm straight out of this door, right out of this room into being mom, you know, and all those things that entail being a, a mom of a 10 year old and a five year old, you know, and and a, and a dog to contend with at the same time, you know, so it's all those things, isn't it? And I think, you know, how, how, 
how do you juggle it? You know, in, I suppose there is something around the fact of going actually having having children that have activities of an evening make you switch off. You know, I think that that for me is, is you know it, it works. But also the fact of I was having a really good conversation. I was rushing around with the children, taking them swimming the other week, and was sat there with one of my other children's friends, moms, and she's actually a CBT that's therapist. So it's actually great to sit to sit with her. Um, and I remember saying to her, I was sat there doing my, I don't know anybody else, but every now and then I'll sit there and do a to-do list and it just depresses you when you do it, but you, you sit there and you do this to-do list. And she said to me, you'll never get to the bottom of it. Don't try. And it was probably one of the best pieces of advice I've had, like in the last about six or seven months. And I was like, actually, yeah, don't try and get to the bottom of the to-do list because you're never going to do it. And it is right because I'd never get to the bottom of that to-do list, you know. Um uh, and I suppose it's it's those kind of things, really, in terms of going, actually, I'm, no, I'm never going to get to the bottom of that to-do list, you know. Actually, when I walk out of this room, I'm, I'm mum, and that's where I, you know, and that's where I switch off, you know. Um, the things that help you, the delay, the mechanism on your emails, you know, send them, send them tomorrow, send them in the morning, you know. It doesn't have to be looked at tonight, you know. And also, you know, I think the other thing, as well is the fact of you know my, I had a um, a colleague who um, had a quite a sad story actually in terms of the fact of you know their their manager passed away very suddenly over a weekend um, and actually you know the, the, by the middle of the next week you know somebody asked somebody else was asked to do their position because things moved on and actually that was that realization of the fact of you know we're all replaceable aren't we you know and actually. Is it worth us, you know, getting ourselves into, you know, an anxious, depressed, you know, um, state over over work? And, and it isn't, you know, um, because there's so many more important things like our families and our friends and our activities, um, you know, and they're the really important things, um, you know. So I do think, like, you know, like I said, it is, it is a hard juggle, you know, it, it, it is. Um, and sometimes it feels impossible. Um, but I think there's lots of those other things that you can, um, you know, you can do to kind of try and help balance it, I suppose. Um, but it doesn't always happen every day. That's one thing I will say. <laughs> very, very true. And I really like that um, that phrase around, you'll never get to the bottom of the to-do list. I'll, I'll be taking that one away with me. I think that's so true. I always beat myself up thinking, oh, there's so many things to do, but there always will be. So, no, that's a great piece of advice. Thank you, Joe. Um, Amy, can we come to you now? Yeah, I think I think um, I think I've got a slightly different perspective in in that it depends on what your personal setup is, doesn't it? And it depends upon what your arrangements are. So I'm really fortunate that I don't work from home, um, so so I, I still have the luxury of the 45 minute drive each way to sort of clear my head. But my husband does uh, four days a week, and then one day a week um, he has to go into the office. So we're really fortunate that he picks up a lot of the day-to-day. If my daughter's sick, he will pick her up from school. Um, when she comes in from school, he's already in the house. He doesn't do anything, but at least he's there and make sure she doesn't set fire to anything. Um, and he's brilliant that if I if I have a few bits that I need doing, you know, can you put a wash on today so we can get ahead for the weekend? Or can you... He will do it. You know, he's he's great. He won't necessarily think to do it, 
but if I ask him, he will. And, and I think that can be frustrating. That there's the mental overload, isn't there? There's the mental. I've got to make sure. I've got the, and and I think I've got to the point now that I recognise. Yes, I do have to put the thinking in, and I've got the mental load. But I'm much better at. Yeah, I might not get to the bottom of the to do list, but I can tear it in half and give half of it to him. And and actually, he will. He will support and 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 does support. The other thing is my daughter's 12 so just a little bit older than than your um child joe and she gets it she's really proud of me and what i do she wrote to the queen you know on my behalf on her behalf but about me when i set up the vaccine center at my last trust as part of that project team and we had to do it over christmas and basically gave up the whole of christmas to set up the vaccine we did our first vaccine on the 30th of december so she wrote to the Queen to say how proud she was that Mummy had helped set up the vaccine centre, and it's amazing. It is, it is, and and she replied, right? She replied. Well, her office did. She did. Her office did. And for me, getting her involved in why? Why do we do the thing? Why do I have to work the hours? What is it I'm actually doing when I'm doing work? And she's old enough to get it now, and and she's old enough to forgive me when you know I'm on call tomorrow. That's at least five calls I'll be taking during the course of tomorrow. She gets it. And so having those communications and having drawing the family where you've got it and not everyone's got those circumstances, but I'm lucky to have that, drawing them in and sharing the burden and not seeing that as a as a bad thing, it would be my view. I think that's amazing, Amy. Yeah, Absolutely amazing that she, that she you know, she sees you. Yeah. She, she sees you, what you're doing in that way. That's her... Well, that's, that's exactly what you're inspiring her. I hope so. I hope so. But I, could I, easily, I think by that action you are. I could have easily just gone, I'm off to work though. Yeah. I'm off to work. Yeah. But I didn't. You've explained. This is what I'm doing now. This is the difference it's going to make. This is what we're doing for the populate. This is what I'm trying. You see that on the telly there. That's what I've been involved in. Be, let her be part of the why. So that when I do miss a rehearsal or I do miss a play or I do... She she gets it. That's like a plastic. Yeah, thank you so much. Bernie, I'll come back to you. Um, just after listening to everyone, what are your kind of final thoughts? And can I share an image, please? That you probably know which one I'm gonna share, Katya. Yeah. Um it's this. So can everyone see it? Yeah. It's yeah. still just coming through on my screen. Okay. It's one of my emails. It's nothing that, you know, I've prepared. I've just literally just thought so got it to share. Okay, cool. So I love this image. Someone shared it with me a few years ago now. Um, and I just think it's just, you know, it just conjures all of that, like, God, that's what we do. We worry about the washing and the ironing, as we've just mentioned. But like the, the assemblies, the, oh, your kid's got to wear yellow on this day or World Book Day, you've got to have an outfit or so-and-so's party or um, it'll be so-and-so's party and they'll go, you know, they'll go, where's the present? Right, okay, yeah, I've just had to think of that as well. You know, all of these things that we're trying to be the best professionally and all these sort of, I suppose, hurdles, and there you can see that laid out as a hurdle. And very often when I hear that women are achieving, despite all of this, I think there's, you know, I just think women are amazing to be able to do it all and then some. So I just wanted to share that with you. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Joe, you've got your hand up there. I think, I think my lines are the opposite way around in my house. 
I'm a, I'm very, very lucky. Me and my husband have similar kind of level roles. And so everything gets split 50-50. So, um, and he's probably a little bit better at the, the whole, we have this thing around the washing um, where he does all the washing and all the drying of the clothes. And if you looked that way in my room, you'd see all of them piled up all neatly and everything else. And my role is ironing and putting them away. It stays like that for quite a longer time, to be fair. <laughs> so he does all of his role. And, and um, the one day, um, it was two days before we went on holiday last year, and I decided I'd interfere with the process. Um, don't interfere with the process because I thought I'm going to put some washing on um, two days before we're going on holiday. Really helpful. Um, so I put some washing on and not that it was my fault, but as a female, the underwire came out of one of my bras and shredded the whole of the inside of the tube of the, of the washing machine door. <laughs> so I've learned very much from that process that I don't interfere. I don't interfere with never again. We don't interfere with our system. <laughs> He he knows his roles and, and I know mine and and I'm really lucky, you know, a bit like Amy in terms of I don't feel as though I've got that many hurdles because actually I've got a really good husband um that kind of does that and, and touching on 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 what your daughter did and, and like I say, my, my children are, are slightly younger, but going through that that COVID um time and, and my children were at school at, at that time, both of us are key workers and um they're just bringing home pictures of their NHS hero and it's a picture of your mom or, you know, knowing that your dad's doing something as well. You know, it was just, you know, it was just lovely. You know, and like I say, they didn't understand, you know, the bit that they understand was I'm clapping for you, mom, or I'm clapping for the people that you work with and, you know, and, and aunt and, and your auntie and, and things like that. And that was just, you know, and that's just lovely. And that absolutely kind of, you know, brings you down, doesn't it? You know, it's worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. I'm conscious of time. Does everyone have to leave dead on four? Okay, brilliant. I don't know whether, Bernie, should we go to your second question, then we'll move on to you, Joe, because I know you've got two as well. Should we skip that question? And Yeah, by all means. It's fine. Okay, perfect. Joe, let's come to you then. Um, can you talk us through your question, please? Um, so I'd just, uh, I suppose, a bit more on the well-being really so um what are the ways you stay grounded and take care of yourself and a bit of background to this um when i was 36 i got diagnosed with premature ovarian failure which means that um basically a very early menopause um so which is very you know so it's like a key word isn't it at the moment in organizations as well so i suppose really you know how do you start, how do you stay grounded and, and how do you take care of yourself with the roles that we have all those roles that we have and all the other things we have that come <laughs> as part of being a woman um bernie you've got your hand up i'll come to you first thanks um i just happened to be out with someone i hadn't seen for ages and i said to her oh, how's your job going and she just burst into tears i was like oh my god what have i done sorry sorry and she's like do you not know i can't do my job anymore and i was like oh she was a special needs teacher and everyone used to say to me how amazing at this job she was really lovely um, just a gorgeous personality for that type of role. And um, I just couldn't find my words. I just couldn't instruct this classroom and I couldn't find my words to talk to parents about the needs of their children because I had the most uh, unbelievable brain fog from early menopause. So she was 
she's old she's 42 now but she was 39 at the time and it was just way too young for her to be able to cope with this you know she just didn't expect it it really floored her she was a bit blindsided by it and so I guess like I've just spoken to someone very very recently about that sort of maybe some similar circumstances to yourself we were talking about of course there's you know HRT and all of the things that she'd really had to fight to get onto HRT, fight really, really hard because no one believed her um, because she is young. Um, and then we were talking a lot about she she really found um, solace in running. That was her thing that, you know, and I know different things aren't for everyone, but for her, that was really like her sort of process. The process of running methodically was kind of like that was the thing that was helping her to get some air, to get out, think, space. And then probably time to to help herself. And then the exercise and the endorphins were probably helping her too. Thanks, Bernie. Amy, can I come to you next? You're next on my screen. I don't think I do a lot of self-care, if I'm honest. Um, and I'm certainly not built for running. Um, but I do like to cook. And that's something that, that you know, I tend to cook from scratch, quite old-fashioned in that in that way. Um, and, and I find that quite therapeutic. And in terms of staying grounded, I don't think there's anything better than going into the hospital you know, if you've had a rubbish day or a difficult week or you kind of, you know, why are we bothering to just go and, and walk into the hospital and see our patients and see our staff and see what we're doing, what's the point, what are we doing it for? And it only takes a 10-minute walk around for you to go, yeah, okay, that's that's why, that's that's where we're at. And, and then I can come back to the office and, and, um, and do what I need to get done. So... I think that was what I do in terms of staying grounded. I think kids keep you grounded as well, but I'm not brilliant at take care in, uh, taking care of myself in terms of my health. I think, you know, I do eat too much. Um, I don't exercise enough. Um, and at some point it'll come and catch me up. But right now I'll, I'm, I'm quite happy with, uh, with my lot. Thanks, Amy. Louise, other than a nice hot water bottle, what is it that <laughs> to keep me warm? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a few things out there, certainly picking up what um, everybody else is sharing. It's it's your your own well-being, and that could be anything, and just being aware of what you enjoy doing, be it cooking, eating, or exercising it off. Whatever it is, is just make time for that and enjoy it, um, and accept that as we get older, that that actually changes as well. And I've certainly noticed that, um, <laughs> um, but it, it and it's okay. Actually, I don't need to go clubbing now. Might have the mm. on dance every now and then, but I quite like to go out for a meal and have a chat, you know. And it's um, it's nice to embrace that rather than feeling I'm losing out on on what used to be. Um, so I think there's that acceptance is probably one thing, but I think being being able to to know how you tick as well certainly within your work environment so you know if you need to do your emails first thing and then concentrate in the afternoon then build your diet if you can your diary to have some space and and write your reports in the afternoon or vice versa and i've i, I try to do that i try not to have meetings first thing in the morning because I can concentrate on writing reports much better than I can in the afternoon. Um, and, you know, I, I've got um, a nice job now where I can build that in. So uh, so I'm in a fortunate position. But I think it is just, you can, 
you can stay a little bit grounded if you if you've got to know yourself. So true. Thank you so but much. But so important to just also wrap yourself around other people and talk when you're not feeling okay or um, when things are stressful or not going to plan at work is finding finding people to, to talk to. And sometimes that is a, a buddy at work, isn't it, who actually gets it rather than a, a, a friend or family who doesn't know what on earth you're talking about, thinks you should go on strike and get a pay rise. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you, Louise. Um, Joanne, I've come back to you now. So we have got another question, which I thought it might be good if you could ask. Yeah. What advice would you give your 25-year-old self? Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Amy, can we come to you first? In my head, I'm still 25. I, you know, I don't... Me too, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know whether actually when I was 25, I felt 44 and I mean, I'm not sure which way around it was, but I don't feel any different to what I did when I was 25. And, and I'm pretty happy with, with, with my lot, you know, we've done, we've, I've done pretty good and, and there's very few things I regret, um, because I've been quite brave and I've been quite bold. And if I fancied something, I've gone for it. And, and I've always worked on the adage that with a few a few exceptions like having children and, and death, there are very few few things in life you can't reverse. You know, if you've made the wrong decision, often you can find a way to, to get out of that wrong decision, whether that be getting married and or, or whether you know, or whether that be changing jobs or, or whatever it might be. So I think I've always been quite bold and, and always been quite brave. Um so that wouldn't be advice I'd give to myself because I, I already had that. I think at 25, I was quite, quite brave. Um, I think that there's probably something about um, the the listening and the, you know, I talked about that first seek to understand, you know, that that stop trying to um, to get to the bottom of everything so quickly and, and take that time to, to think um, before you dive in would probably be good advice. Um, but in some respects, they're the scars that make you who you are, aren't they? So it's quite, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Going back in time and what if you change the equilibrium of life? And, and you know, I do think we go through the things we go through for a reason. Um, so yeah, difficult question that. Um, but remain bold. Remember, there's very few things in life you can't undo. Um, and go for it. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Louise? Yeah, I agree, Amy. I think it it's that journey mm. that makes you a better person because we've learned from it. Um, if there was any advice, it would probably be don't be so bossy. Um, but yeah, certainly, yeah, got the scars and learned how not to be along the way. <laughs> um, more, more important advice might be um, don't feel you've got to do it all yourself. Don't feel that you've got to prove that you can do it all. Um, and actually, um, and this might be my laziness kicking in now, but um, empower a team around you um, or be part of a team and you're empowering them as well to actually deliver collectively what you're all set out to do because you can achieve it so much better. Um, and everybody brings... A different perspective and a different skill set 
Um, and I think you can achieve so much more. So I think if you can empower other people around you, that's that's so so valuable to everybody, actually. Um, but yeah, certainly don't feel like you've got to do it all. And I think as youngsters, we feel like we've got to prove ourselves, don't we? Very true. And like, can I just reflect on that? Are you really hit a chord with me, Louise? I think one around um, building diverse teams. Mm. Um, I, I don't think until probably maybe six or seven years ago, that was really on my radar. Yeah. And whilst I'm quite lucky to have a relatively diverse team, that wasn't by design, it was just by happenstance. And I think um, it is very powerful if you can if you can embrace the difference. And, yeah. the, and sometimes the uncomfortableness of the difference, you know, that it's not always everyone's yeah. going to sit and gel together. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think that's yeah. that is quite good advice in terms of embracing embracing the uncomfortable and embracing the difference yeah i think is really good advice and i mentioned earlier about the time i spent at dh which was you know i was, I was always being like um that bouquet lady off the telly you know the one who got, you know, <laughs> yeah. okay that you know that was a bit like me really and, and i think um that probably would be advice in in being okay if you don't fit if you don't yeah. fit, get, walk away. It's fine. Go find somewhere where you do fit. That probably absolutely, would absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's brilliant advice from the both of you, Joe. You've got your hand up there. Can we come back to you? Yeah, I think like you know, just reflecting obviously what what Louise and I and I always said, particularly around you know, kind of the you know the teams that you think about that you might have had you know several years ago to to what you think now and knowing what you need and et cetera. And I, we did, um, when I worked at a, a, an ICB and um, previous CCGs um, a few years ago, and we did a, um, it's called owning and driving performance. I'm not sure it's, it's um, others have, have done it, but it, it's been, it was done across um, quite a few organizations. And that was very much about people owning, you know, taking responsibility, not always escalating things, but actually at the back of, remember at the back of this, it, it, it all then related to our kind of personal development plans. And at the back of this personal development plan, you had it like a colour, you had a colour chart and you, you decided with your manager what, what colour you were. So within purple, you'd kind of got, you know, you were ready to move on now or within the next kind of one to three years or that you were just a real specialist, you know, in your, in, you know, in your area. And then, you know, you'd kind of got, um, you know, gold and and these people they they came into work and they were good at their job and they're happy to do their job. Don't really want to move on, you know. Don't want to escalate up the tree, you know. Really just want to stay where where they are. And I kind of remember looking at that that colour chart and going, you know, I need I need some of those. I need one. I need some of them. I don't need all purple, you know. I don't need all gold. You know, when I look at a team, I need a number of those and I need a number of those. And, you know, I need those absolute, you know, um, steady people that come in and do a really, really good job, you know, and that and that's all that they want to do. And that's fine, isn't it? You know, that, that's absolutely, you know, that's absolutely fine. And, and knowing also as a leader that you haven't always got to push people to, you know, because some people don't and that's okay, you know, um, and, and kind of accepting that kind of, of of people really so yeah it was just it was just something that when you said it i just remember looking at that color chart going well i don't need all all of them from you know from that one area um but years ago 
I would have gone, yeah, I need everyone who's a purple, you know, so they're all escalating up the tree and everything else. And it's, it's absolutely not what you need, you know, in, in a team at all. Just takes time to learn that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Bernie, welcome to you. I'm going to say um, that uh, to, to be allowed to like use your voice. So when I was um, first into sort of working in recruitment and, you know, amongst all those people that I was talking about earlier, um, I would just not say anything in meetings. I would sit in a meeting and then not say anything and not use my voice and then come out and say lots of things and say, well, why don't you, you need to say it in the meeting, Bernie. And I just don't remember I was shy or whether I just thought that I wasn't going to be heard or whether what I had to say wasn't valid. I don't know. I don't know. But as soon as I sort of got the bravery, courage, whatever you want to call it, to do it, then actually the more, I don't know whether it's just that you get used to doing it or that um, then because you've done it so many times, you can build the confidence. But that's when I felt that I was able to really affect things, make change and and probably like grow my career a bit. But it took me longer than it probably should have done to realise that. So I think, I, I don't know if it's quite a female trait as well to sort of be sort of hang back in though. And maybe it was just those environments that I was in. Um, so I always now think if I could, if someone's being quiet on a meeting or I think that someone is... I actually love it sometimes when people are quiet on meetings because it's actually those people that are listening and taking everything in rather than people that are just chatting for the sake of chatting. Um, but if I feel that someone has got something to say and needs a tiny bit of encouragement to say it, I'll give the little nudge and, you know, to, to, to get them to be able to use their voice and, and give lots of praise afterwards for doing it because I think I would have thrived a little bit better in that environment. Amazing, thank you. Joe, I'm just going to come back to you with everything that's been said. Um, what is the advice that you would have given to your 25-year-old self? Um, well, from a work perspective, from not a work perspective, I think there'd be lots of advice that I would have given myself at, <laughs> at 25 years of age. Um, but I think from a work perspective, I think probably, um, you know, I think probably, you know, the, the worry less, you know, I think, you know, I, I probably have worried you know, whether that be, you know, um, you know, are you are you good enough to be in your role? You know, am I good enough to do this job, you know, and, and worrying about things like that. Um, and trusting your gut. I think that's what I would say as well. Every time I have trusted my gut, it has absolutely been the right thing, you know. And so I would absolutely give that piece of advice to my twenty five year old self and and, and that's in any, and I would say that in any situation, whether that's been in a personal situation or a work situation where I have trusted my own gut, it's absolutely been the right thing. Perfect. Thank you all. Yes. And look, on the KOS, you know, try, try and, and care. And I know what you're trying to say, but that's what makes us us into it. And I think that's what makes us successful to a certain degree. And it's quite difficult, isn't it, to go, well, just there's people who come in and they do their work and they go around and they come care less. But actually, those who don't are the ones who... I don't think it's about caring less. I think it's about that, that the worry that might take you into that area where it, it kind of unbalances you to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Not not care, not not caring. I think it's more that actually, you know, and, and worrying about what other people think of you as well. I think that's probably, you know, in, in that sense, I think, 
um, you know, not necessarily worried about that too much. I think I worried about it at that age. You know, I was in a very different environment from being in the NHS, you know. Um, I was in a very male-dominated environment. It was a very different industry. Times were very, very, you know, different at, at, at that point in time. Um, and, and probably took things to heart more than um, what I should have done, really, to, to a certain extent. But, again, that comes with experience, doesn't it? You know, now, half those things that would be said then, I wouldn't even... You know, wouldn't I probably wouldn't even acknowledge it, you know. Um, but I think when you're growing in your career and and you know trying to move forward, you almost take everything on board, don't you? What what people say and 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 sometimes I think that worried me far more than what I probably needed to. Yeah, I can definitely relate to everything <laughs> that you've that you've all said. Um, thank you all so much. I think that was fantastic. Um, now I don't usually ask questions in any of these podcasts, but having you all in front of me, I have to take this opportunity to ask you one question. So it's just a quick fire question. Um, and that is what is the best piece of advice you would give to an aspiring female leader? So I'm just going to go from top to bottom, quick, snappy one, one liner, Bernie, I'll come to you first cause you're at the top. Um, maybe go back to sort of being your authentic self. Amazing. Thank you. Trust, Amy. That. trust that that's good enough. Thank you. Amy? Be ambitious and drive as hard as you want to go. You know, there's nothing to stop you other than you. Thanks, Amy. Joe, Take care of yourself. Amazing. Thank you. And Louise? I think there's a huge amount of advice we've all taken from today. Um, the only other thing I would probably say is just involved in things that add value, either to yourself or others. If it doesn't, then it's not worth your time or energy. I think that's really good advice. I heard that recently. So that this must be a sign. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, everyone. Um, so is there any further points before we conclude today's podcast? Okay, so I'd, I'd like to say thank you, Katya. Thanks you for pulling us all together. Well, thank you all for being here. Um, it really has been a privilege to be able to listen to you all. I've taken so much away from this and I'm sure everyone listening will have as well. So thank you again for your time and have a lovely evening and weekend.